Hi, I'm Shane Robertson, and welcome to the Maysville Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here at Maysville, we want to practice loving God, loving others, and serving the world. I trust this sermon will be an encouragement to you as it challenges your heart and strengthens your walk of faith. Now, grab your Bibles as we get ready to hear from the Word of God. Purify 
Thank you so very much, Miriam. Thank you, Holly. Uh, for those of you that are tuning in, our guests, that's my wife and daughter. And uh, both of them are very, very talented. And both of them love Jesus. Uh, as uh, they were singing that song, I couldn't help but think of 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, that says this. But if ye walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Thank God for His Word today. Amen. I hope you have your Bibles. Let me encourage you to find Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter number 3. We're going to read this the first four verses, but I want to use this whole text here and the context here to preach a sermon that I've entitled, Making Room for Jesus in the New Year. Making Room for Jesus in the new year. Several weeks ago now, I was cleaning out my closet, and as I was cleaning out my closet, I, I had three different categories of things as I cleaned it out. I had uh, things that I needed to hold on to, I had things that I needed to let go of, and then I had to have, there were some things that I just had to be settled on. And uh, as we approach this new year, here we are in 2021, might I say that we need to do an evaluation of the closets of our spiritual heart. And we need to just do an examination and make sure, number one, that we're in the faith. Number two, we need to make sure that we clean out anything that needs to be cleaned out as we continue to move forward this coming year. I said at the beginning of uh, my introduction and my welcome that just because 2021 is here doesn't mean every bad thing that happened in 2020 is gone. 2021 is going to have its own challenges. It's going to have its own difficulties. It's going to have some things that are going to happen that uh, we're not going to like and we're not going to agree with. But let me just remind you of this. Regardless of what happens in 2021, Jesus is still on the throne. He's still Lord of all. And he still loves the world. And Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. And it's our responsibility to take the Great Commission and to flesh out that truth. It's still our responsibility to carry the gospel to a lost and dying world. And if there was ever a nation that's lost and dying, it's the United States of America. We need Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can fix this thing. He's the only one that can fix what's going on in our culture today. Only Christ has the power and the authority to fix what's going on 
in our nation today. And what we really need is a great spiritual awakening. I mean, we need a revival of biblical sorts. We need to fall on our face and we just seek the King of kings and Lord of lords, repent of our sins, seek God's face, and watch him heal our land. And that'll be the responsibility of every born-again child of God to examine themselves, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians, and see if they be in the faith. Examine our life. So I want today to be a pop quiz, an examination, if you will, as we clean out the closets of our lives and we make sure, number one, that we're in the faith, and then number two, be challenged to make 2021 a Christ-honoring year. So if you found your place in Colossians chapter number 3, let's pick it up in verse number 1. Let's only read the first four verses, and then we'll go into the sermon. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on the things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, and by the way, let me say this parenthetically, he's coming. Then shall we also appear with him in glory. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of the Word of God. In the text, we see Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, and he's encouraging them to declare and to defend the faith of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the whole book of Colossians, declaring and defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's worth keeping in mind that the pagan religions in Colossae within this city were absolutely rampant. There were this this great religious wave, if you would, that was going across Colossae that was absolutely dragging down the church, and the church didn't know how to defend their faith. They, They were not defending their faith. And Paul writes this letter to them to encourage them to step up to the plate and start defending the faith of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and start declaring what we have been commissioned to declare and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so in doing so, we see that in Colossae, if you were a religious individual and you followed after the religion of the day, then your walk did not match your faith. You could live however you wanted to live throughout the course of the week, and then when it was time for you to come do your ecclesiastical duty, whether that be sacrifice or some type of ritual in a religious fashion, you would go do that religious thing, and then you went right on living how you used to live. When Jesus Christ came on the scene, when he died on the cross, when he rose again, and when people get saved, the Holy Spirit dwells within them, and the old person they were does not exist anymore. That person is dead. And you are now a new creation in Jesus Christ. And the things you used to do are not the things that you want to do anymore. And while we are not perfect, as Paul said, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man of I, who will save me from this body of sin? Well, Jesus Christ is the one that saved us from this body of sin. And while we have been saved as a born-again child of God, you remember the day you got saved? Say amen right there. 
All right, you remember that day, and that day you got saved, and the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you. You got saved, and then through sanctification, you are being saved. That is, you're becoming more and more mature in Jesus Christ, and one day there'll be this glorification where ultimately you'll be saved, and you won't have to deal with the pains of sin anymore. But while we're in this time, while we are saved, and while we are sanctified, and while we are growing in our faith, that is to say, maturing and becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, here's what's very important. We have got to keep our gaze locked on God and only glance at our problems. The challenge we have in 2020, and we'll carry it over into 2021 unless we examine ourselves, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, and see if we be in the faith, is we run the risk of letting this culture take our eyes off of Jesus Christ and locking them on the problems of this world and shaking our fist at God saying, God, do you even care? Do you even care that we're in a pandemic? Do you even care that my loved one has gone on uh, and died even though they love God with all their heart? Do you even care that my marriage is falling apart? Do you even care that I'm having financial problems? Do you even care that I'm struggling with my children? God, do you even care? Of course he does. Child of God, of course he does. What you have done is you've taken your focus off of God and you've put your focus on your problems. And I want to challenge you today to get things back in order, get the priorities back right, because 2021 can be a year of great personal revival in your life if you'll only clean out the closets of your life. I went in the closet uh, a couple of weeks ago and as I was uh, looking at some things and said, man, I, I want to hold on to this and I got some things I want to let go of. I, I don't really need to keep this. And then there's some things I just need to be, I just need to be settled on. I, I need, what am I going to do with this? L let me give you an example. As I was going through uh, my closet, I found some things that, that I'm just going to hold on to. Like that old Alabama t-shirt that's all ragged and got holes all in it. And he wears it every time, the University of Alabama. And I might get rid of it, but, but it won't be until after January the 11th. <laughs> there's just some things I'm going to hold on to. Go through my closet and find there's some things I need to let go of. I go in there and see that I got a pair of breeches, blue jeans that are 27-inch waist. Believe it or not, I had a 27-inch waist when I got married. Ain't going to happen anymore. I ain't getting there anytime soon. I'm going the wrong direction. So what am I going to do? I'm going to get rid of those. Get rid of those. There are some things you just got to let go of. And then there are some things you've got to just settle on. You've got to settle on some truth. Settle on some things. So what do you mean there? Well, I ran across a little Christmas tree ornament. And that little Christmas tree ornament was, uh, it, it has, as far as monetary value is concerned, you put that thing in a yard sale, you probably wouldn't get 10 cents for it. Even if that, the value of that is worth nothing monetarily. But sentimental, it is of great value. You see, that little ornament was held by my son, who's 18. And when he was a child, a little boy, he said on that little thing, it records. You press a little, and it recorded and it recorded his little voice saying, Merry Christmas, Daddy, I love you. Oh, that's of great value to me. It's of great value to me. And I want to hold on to that. And I don't want to get rid of it. I'm just, I'm settled on the fact. I'm not going to get rid of that. 
That's mine. I'm going to keep it. Uh, There are some things in our lives that we just need to be settled on. And as we come into this 2021, this new year, Paul, in this particular chapter, and in chapter chapter 2, and chapter 3, and chapter 4, he deals with the fact that there are some things that we need to hold on to. And there are some things that we need to let go of. And there are some things that we need to just settle on. And this morning, I want to share those three things with you today. And I hope that it will be an encouragement to you. But I hope also it will be a challenge to you. And my deepest prayer, my deepest desire at the end of this sermon is simply this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, that today would be the day that you trust Christ as Savior and let Him change your life forever. So the first thing I want you to look at this morning, if you have your pens, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, I want you to look at verse 1 and 2, and I want you to see the things that Paul says as born-again children of God, living in a culture that's religious, but they don't fear God. I want you to notice, he says, there are some things we must hold on to. The first thing he says, there are two, there are two things that he really focuses on that we need to hold on to. Number one, the first one is our foundation. He focuses, first of all, on our foundation. What I'm saying to you is this, we need to hold on to our spiritual foundation. Look at what the Bible says, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, and not on things on the earth. Paul, first of all, says, If there are some things we've got to hold on to, the first thing we've got to hold on to is our foundation. Paul tells us here in this text that we are risen with Christ. Now, I want you to take your pens, and I want you to look at that word, if. I would highlight it, or circle it, or maybe put an asterisk by it, or underline it in some way, and make reference to it, because it's vitally important. Paul tells us here that we're risen in Christ, and he uses the word, if, not as a statement of possibility, But it is a declaration of a spiritual reality. He's saying, for absolutely, positively, I am certain that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And this resurrection that we have is a resurrection that you and I experienced through the new birth. Through giving our hearts and life to Jesus Christ. So Paul is discussing here our spiritual position. When Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, every person who would ever place their faith in Jesus Christ died that day when Jesus died. Uh, Let me, if you would, take take your Bibles and let's uh, find Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter 6, I want you to look at verse number 1. Paul deals with this in Romans 6, 1 in writing to the church at Rome. He says this, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Now, let me stop and say this parenthetically. Remember, here in this passage of Scripture, Paul is writing to born-again children of God. Okay? This is Christians he's writing to. He's writing to Christians. And so in writing to these Christians, he asks them this question. He says, what shall I say then? Or what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. May it never be so. How shall we as born-again children of God that are dead to sin 
live any longer. He's saying, you can't live in sin and be a happy child of God. You've let that go. He says, know ye not that so many of us were baptized in Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? He says, don't you remember when you were buried in the likeness of his death and raised in the likeness of his resurrection? That burial was symbolic of you dying on Calvary's cross when Jesus died. He goes on to say in verse number 4, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, and like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. So we find here in this text, Paul is simply saying in regards to this new life, in letting things go, we, we need, or excuse me, in, in holding on to some things, he says, we need to hold on to the fact that when we got saved, we died in Jesus Christ, and we also were ri- risen up, and since we've been risen in Christ, we are dead to the things of this sin. Sin does not have control over you, brothers and sisters. If you are controlled by sin, it's because you've given your mind over to the devil. Uh, I I loved uh, in between services uh, this morning. Brother Eric came in. And uh, he came in there and just stuck his head in there and said, praying for you, Pastor. And uh, I said, man, I appreciate that. And we began to talk about his spiritual walk. And he began to give his testimony. That happens with Christians. They you know, when, when you talk to a, a Christian, they just can't help it. They just go to their testimony because they're not the same person they used to be. And Eric got saved in 1988. That's the same year I got saved. Eric was in college. I was in high school. I'm not going to tell him how old you are, brother. It's okay. But, but he was sharing that when he got saved, the one challenge that he had in his life for, for a year, it took him a solid year. To get to the place where he stopped drinking. And God dealt with him throughout the course of that year. And throughout the course of the year, what reigned true was his foundation. His foundation was in Jesus Christ. And the victory came a year later when he realized that when he got saved, he died to the alcohol. And he was risen in Christ by a new life. And what was deposited in him was the Holy Spirit of God that gave him the victory every day to say, I've got power over that. Listen to me very carefully, dear brothers and sisters. As a born-again child of God, there are some things we need to hold on to. And what we need to hold on to is the foundational truth that you you have died in Christ and you have been risen in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit that is inside of you is one that gives you power over sin. He talks about our foundation. Number two, i, I got to hurry. The second thing he talks about is he talks about our focus. He says not only do we need to hold on to our foundation that we've been dead in Christ and risen in Jesus Christ, but we also need to hold on to our focus. Now, our focus here at Maysville Baptist Church, if we're going to talk about ecclesiology, if we're going to talk about the church, then we need to say our focus is loving God, loving others, and serving the world. That's the three things that we are are focused on doing. And and so in thinking about that, in thinking about we're going to love God, love others, and serve the world, then we are going to be the only Jesus a lot of people in our area see and, and read. 
See and read. It's vitally important that we clearly understand you're the only Bible that a lot of people are going to read. You're the only Jesus that a lot of people are going to see. And so if you're the only Bible and you're the only Jesus that people see and you are a born-again child of God, then you should flesh out the truths of who Jesus is. And in doing so, you got to have a personal focus. So we move over from ecclesiology, that is the study of the church, and we start looking at our focus personally. Notice what he says in verse number 1, again, in the latter part of the verse. He tells us in verse number 1 that we are to seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Verse 2, setting your affections on things above. Not on the things of this earth. So if you have your pens, I want you to notice here that he tells us that we need to seek those things which are above. You see that there? That word seek is in the present tense. Which means it was written back then, but it's for us today. It carries over into the present. Today, seek the things which are above. Now, it's also in the imperative mood. Which is a statement of, of fact that as a born-again child of God, you can't resist this. You, if, you, if you read it and you know God's Word to be true, then you read this from the perspective of, I need to be continually seeking those things which are above. And not only that, he says, that we are to set our affections on things, not on the things above, not the things of this world. The word affections there has to deal with your mind. In the Greek, it has to deal with your mind. So he says, not only, not only are you seeking those things which are above, but you also set your mind on things which are above. And then here's the question we've got to wrestle with. Okay, what are those things which are above? How can I live in this world, yet know that I'm living in heaven as well? What are those things that are above? Well, he tells us throughout the course of this book. It's in its context. Let me give you an example. He says, if you want to think about the things above, then there needs to be a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ in your life. Look at chapter 3, verse 10. Chapter 3, verse 10, the Bible says, And put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him, that created him. So he tells us there that there's this renewal that needs to happen in our minds. And this renewal that needs to happen in our minds is something that's done daily. This is why we say it's so vitally important in 2021, you have a daily quiet time every day. I was so encouraged uh, last week. Uh, I, uh, one of our members stopped and they said, Pastor, I want to just tell you thank you. And I said, uh, well, you're welcome. What, what am I welcoming? <laughs> what, what, what happened? And they said this, last year, in January, you challenged the whole church to read through the entire Bible in one year. You challenged us to do that. And uh, they said, I did that. I did. I was able to read the entire Bible this year, and I have grown so much. Thank you for challenging us with that. Now, I wonder, if I were to take a poll across the board, out of all of our members here, how many took that challenge and finished that challenge? I know just out of 1,500 plus members, 
one person has come to me and said, thank you for challenging me in that respect. I was able to do that this year. Now, I'm not looking for an email. I'm not looking for a, a, a sign. I'm not looking for that. I'm just giving an illustration. Here's an individual that came to church and took a message seriously and a challenge seriously and said, yes, I want a deeper knowledge of Jesus. I accept that challenge, Pastor, and I'm going to move forward with it. You, you won't you want to clean out the closets in 2021? Then look at your life and say, there are some things that I need to hold on to. And one of the things I need to hold on to is the foundation that my faith is built upon. And number, and, and number two, not only that, and that's my focus. And my focus for 2021 is to have a deeper knowledge of Jesus Christ. And what does that look like? How do you implement that? How do you flesh that truth out? I'm challenging you in this respect. Read the Word of God. That's how you flesh that truth out. Excuse me just a minute. All right. So not only that, he also says number two. He says in regards to that, he says having a deeper knowledge of Jesus, but also he says in your focus, have also a clean life. Uh, look at what he says in chapter 3, beginning in verse number 5. He says mortify. That means put to death. Put to death. And by the way, let me say this. That word mortify is a present tense imperative as well. It means today you need to mortify. That means there's some thoughts you need to take control of instead of those, those thoughts controlling you. You have the power as the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you over those thoughts. And he says, mortify therefore the members which are upon the earth fornication and cleanliness and ordinate affections, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. Let me just say this. Watch this now. What is happening in our world, especially in the United States today, is the wrath of God is falling on our nation. And when you look at this, you see it. Look at the text again. Look at what the Bible says. Because you haven't mortified these things in your nation, the reverse is also true. Because you haven't, you haven't done this in your nation, your nation is filled full of fornication. You don't believe our nation is filled full of fornication. You look, just watch the TV today. Good heavens. Fornication is any sexual activity that exists outside the, mar the, the bonds of marriage, outside of, of God's chosen way to have intimate relationships with the opposite sex. And so we find fornication all in our land. Number two, uncleanliness. You see it? There it is. We have this deep, deep problem in our culture today where uncleanliness is running rampant all around. And by the way, that deals with sexual immorality as well. And then you got inordinate affections. Uh, I was sitting talking to the sheriff. It's been several months now. And we were talking about the challenges that exist in our culture today. And one of the challenges that she was referring to was the challenges of the dark web. I knew nothing about this until I was educated. The dark web is something that exists today that people are on, and there's all these inordinate affections. There's these desires that, that they have, and they're recording these desires and putting the desires out there on the web uh, that you can't get to unless you've got a special uh, web browser to get there. And it's absolutely amazing the wickedness 
that is being talked about today. I thank God I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, but to hear what's happening in our culture today with our children and all of the things that's taking place, God have mercy upon us. We are seeing, if you would, the wrath of God coming upon our nation today. He deals with this issue of evil concupiscence. Again, dealing with this issue of desire that moves from the head down into the heart and wanting to fulfill those desires. Covetousness. That is wanting what others have and you don't really even need it. He says this is a form of idolatry. You're worshiping things instead of worshiping God. He says this is why the wrath of God is on your nation. But I want you to notice how personal God makes it. He says, you as a born-again child of God have got to put these things to death. You've got to eliminate them from your life. You've got to put them to death in order to not have the wrath of God come upon you. And then he's not done there. He also talks about virtues in chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. In verses 18 through 21, he deals with holiness in your domestic life. Uh, In verses uh, 22 through chapter 4, verse 1, he deals with us being holy in our social life. And what's fascinating to me is when this was written, and, and let's just say 10 years ago, social life was the life we exhibited with our co-workers and things like that. You read the text today and talk about social life, everyone thinks about being online. That's right. and it, it, but here's the thing. It doesn't matter, Lee. Socially or in living, you still need to have a holy, right. a holy life. Uh, you, you remember when we were kids, we used to sing that song in vacation Bible school, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. What was the next part of that? You remember that? Man, I tell you, every, how many of you remember that? I won't make fun of you, I promise. We, and we remember that. You, you remember it online? You remember that when you were kids? For the Lord up above is looking down with love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. You see, he looks down upon love, being a long-suffering God. And his desire is that you come back to him. And in order to do that, here in 2021, we've got to realize and understand, there's some things we've got to hold on to. And what we've got to hold on to is our foundation. We've been risen with Jesus Christ. We died and we rose with him. And number two, our focus. And our focus is to grow up spiritually. There are some things we need to hold on to. Let let me go to number two. The second thing I want you to see is there are some things we got to let go of. Man, I was cleaning out that closet. There were just some, man, there were some blue jeans there. Let's face it, buzzard. I'm just not going to get in them anymore. It's just not going to happen. I'm going the wrong way. And it's because my wife is such a good cook. Can I get a witness right there? Anybody else just... I mean, look, she, she really, she did a good job fattening me up. I went from a size 27 in the waist up to a size 36, and I'm working on trying to get back into a 34. Can I get a witness right there? Thank God for that. So there are some things that we just got to let go of. Man, I got to let go of them, them britches. What is it spiritually that we need to let go of? Paul, do you have anything in the Word of God? Do you have anything in the context of Colossians 
that challenges us to let go? What are the things that we need to let go of in 2021 culturally as an American Christian as well as a citizen of heaven? What do we need to let go of? He tells us right here. He says, number one, he says the first thing you need to let go of is you need to let go of false doctrine. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Contextually, you've got to look at chapter 2, verse 8, because he's already dealt with it. Notice what he says in chapter 2, verse 8. He says this. To Christians, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, after the tradition of men, and the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now, I want you to watch this. This is fascinating, Judy. When you read this passage of Scripture, you see the enemy in our culture of Christ. Notice it once again. Let me look. He says, beware. That means pay attention. Pay attention. He says, I don't want anybody to spoil you. What does it mean to spoil? You, You ever had a, we got a bowl of fruit in our house. And there's always fruit in that bowl. And I'm fascinated when an orange is in there. And if that orange has a little bruise spot on the bottom that I can't see... It's only a matter of time before that spot moves into the other oranges. And it, in fact, and it spoils. It not only spoils one orange, but you might every orange, orange that's touched it has spoiled. So you might just want to get rid of that one orange that's spoiled. And you look down and realize, oh my goodness, it was touching three other oranges. And all three are spoiled. Now all four of them are spoiled. And so he says this, he says, beware lest any man, the word man there is talking about sarks, a fleshly man, an individual that's not born again, an individual that doesn't know Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord, but he's religious, a religious man. Don't let them spoil you through, number one, philosophy. I'm telling you what, philosophies will spoil you. It is the enemy of Jesus Christ. He's referring here to the wisdom of men. We, man, we become so smart. We are so smart today. We're foolish. We have been educated far beyond our own intelligence. You think about the day in which we're living in. We're living in a day where you're absolutely insane if you believe that Jesus Christ or God created this world in a seven-day period. We have taken the... Everybody's talking about science today. Science, 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 science. We have taken the basics of science. That is to say, taking a thesis and proving it. And moving that thesis, which has no proof in it at all, into a position of truth. In saying evolution is true, yet still not having all the facts that would scientifically prove it to be true. That's called a philosophy. And it's poisoned the United States of America. But watch, he doesn't stop there. He he goes on to the second one. He also says vain deceit. This phrase phrase means empty tricks. Empty tricks. Tricks. It refers to those who deceive through trickery or some kind of slick message. Man, I'm, man, you got them out there today, David. You just turn on the TV. Man, you go home and you just watch. There's not many, there's not many Adrian Rogers out there, preachers like Adrian Rogers out there today. Man, no, man, they're, they're slick. They go out there. Man, come out here, get you a little stool here, and, they, and sit on that little stool and say, let me talk to you today. Look, we don't need any more talking. We need some preaching today. We need a preacher that will get the Holy Spirit of God on 
him. And he'll preach the word of God and say, Thus saith the Lord. Not some little sissified with lace on his underwear preacher. Up Man, I'm just going to tell you, you're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. Let's have a good day. Ready? Break. You'll break yourself right into hell. Vain to see. Empty tricks. He also uses, look, he takes it a step further. He says, this is an enemy of God, an enemy of Christ. The traditions of men. Believers are warned to be careful of long-held beliefs. We, we ought not to hold to traditions. We ought to hold to the truth of the Word of God. Man, I always get in so much trouble when I get to this verse, David. I get in trouble because I start thinking about the religions of this day. And what culture would have me to do today would just say, Preacher, be nice to everybody. Don't be ugly. Don't offend the Mormons. Don't, don't offend the, the Roman Catholics. Don't offend the Jehovah Witnesses. Don't offend them, preacher. Because that, that's, that's, that's not being tolerant. Could I just say this? And look, I'm not trying to be cute. And I'm not trying to be slick. I only want to be as narrow as the Word of God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That means the only way to get to God, the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Listen to me very carefully. You can't get there by working your way good to heaven. Man, you can be as good as a person that you can ever imagine and yet die without Jesus Christ and stand before God and say, I'm a good person. There are a lot of good people in hell. You say, well, preacher, I, 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 I just don't think you need to be. I, look, again, it ain't me. you can get mad at me all you want. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. In regards to the traditions of men, we have sent a lot of people away from Jesus Christ by holding to traditions that will not get you to heaven. And then notice what he says. He also says there in verse number 8, he talks about here the rudiments of the world. This is a falling away of maturity. I see this more today than I've ever seen in my ministry. Someone that loves God with all of their heart and is strong, strong in their faith. And then you turn around and they're gone. What in the world happened to them? I mean, they just disappear off the planet. They're not in any church. It's not that they left this church. They just left every church. They ain't nowhere to be found. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. They took their gaze off of God, and they locked them on their problems. And they got aggravated with God, and they shook their fist at him and said, You don't care. And have completely left the maturing process. Do you understand? Listen to me very carefully, Christian. Listen. I mean, they're, they're out there today. I'm telling you what. There's, there's preachers out there that say, when you get saved, God wants you to be prosperous. They want, all Sin is gone out of your life. God wants you to be rich. He wants you to be prosperous in every way. You're not going to have any problems. And if you do have problems, it's a lack of faith. There, there's, a, there's a Greek word for that. Baloney. It's not true. You're born again, child of God. Listen to me. Your loved ones are going to die. They're not going to live forever on this earth. And if they're born again, if they're saved, thank God they're going to heaven. Well, we had a great time this time last week. And 
in uh, Mark's uh, funeral. Uh, Mark Shirley, you know, passed away with, with the COVID. And he's home with Jesus. He don't have any problems. Look, we, we may be suffering down here, but I'm telling you, he ain't suffering. He's with Jesus. He tells us, man, you got to let go of some things. And you got to let go of false doctrine. Number two. I'm out of time, but I'm going to give it to you anyways. Let, let's just plow through, see how far we can get in the next couple of minutes. He says, not only do you need to get rid of, of false doctrine, you need to get rid of some foolish demands. This world is demanding some things of you that are foolish in God's eyes. And he says, you, you've got to let go of them. What are they? They're, I don't have time to read them all, but they're found in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Write that down. Read it when you get home. Foolish demands. Chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. And again, he mentions more in verses 21 through 23. Verses 21 through 23. He's warning these believers to watch out for people who would place them back under the law. Listen to me, Christian friend. You are not under the law. You're under grace. And you're not perfect. You're forgiven. And you're only licked when you stop moving forward in your faith. And you stop moving forward in your faith when you take your eyes off God. Number three. He says, not only do you need to let go, let go of false doctrine, let go of foolish demands. He says, let go also of the fleshly deeds. He says, there are some things in this world that are fleshly that you need to turn loose of. And we see that in chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. I dealt with many of them already, so I don't want to go back and deal with all of them. But you see them there in the text. They're right there. But I do want to deal with verse 5 in the latter part where he talks about the fleshly desire of covetous. He says you need to get rid of that. You need to get rid of covetous. It means to have more. Get rid of that. You got everything that you need in Jesus Christ. It's very tempting, watch this, it's very tempting to watch one of these TV preachers online. Say, preacher, you, you, you want to be talking, you, you own the television. You know what sets me apart between me and some of these other guys? I'm standing underneath this right here. He says you need to get rid of covetousness. Why? Because it is a form of idolatry. It's, it's a form of that. You're worshiping the things you want rather than worshiping God. And then he goes on. He, goes, he deals with anger, wrath, malice. All three of these have to deal with anger. Uh, this issue of being upset to a point that you hurt other people. If you are in a position where your words hurt other people, you're either suffering from anger, wrath, or malice. And these are progressive. And they look, they're in order. You start with anger and you move down to malice. Malice is an anger that's mixed with the, to harm others. And then he uses the term blasphemy. It literally means to slander. It refers to someone that would slander God or slander someone specifically. Uh, to others or even behind their back. Many, I have been, there have been many times in my ministry where someone has slandered me. Uh, I, I have been called everything in the book. I've been called, my, my favorite was when I was called Little Hitler. <laughs> that was my favorite. I don't understand it. I, I just really don't. But here, here's what I do understand. As a born-again, and it's from a Christian, if you're a born-again child of God, and if you've taken your eyes off of God, you've put it on your problems, 
then anything the preacher says, which is the representative of God's voice, when he says it to you, then it is natural for you to get upset at the, at the preacher. So I got, look, I, I, I got big shoulders. I'm able, I'm able to handle it. It's, it. It'll be, I promise, it'll be okay. A- every letter that I get, every email that's not, it goes to file 13. It just goes into the trash. All right, it's okay. I don't have to answer to you. I got to answer to God. And in response to answering to God, we need to be careful as born again children of God if we'll blaspheme against God or any other brother or sister in Christ. He said, you got to let go of that. Remember, he's writing to a church. This is in the church. Let go of it. And then I like the last one, or the last two. He says, filthy communication. This refers to abusive speech. Speech that is abusive to others. I find this to be rampant today amongst born-again children of God. We love to put on this show, this facade, that we're so spiritual and so holy. Yet behind a closed door, we'll call our spouse stupid. Or we'll call our spouse an idiot. That's abusive speech. And he says, as a born-again child of God, you've got to let go of that stuff. And then he says, in the latter part, lying. Here's the problem I have with lying. I've got to hurry. Man, I just really need, I really need about 30 more minutes. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have time. And the reason why I don't have time is because we've got folks that don't come in here at 11. I'll, don't worry. I'll dump it all on them. If you're glad you're at the 930, not the 11, say amen right there. Here's the problem with lying. Lying, when you lie as a born-again child of God, you are using one of the bullets of the devil. You read the scriptures. You go back. Read the scriptures. The devil only has one bullet. One bullet. I'm telling you, Barry, when you start in Genesis and you read all the way through Revelation, you walk away going, he's got one bullet. It's lying. That's all he does. He lies. He's the father of lies. In fact, the scripture says he lied in the beginning and he lies today. That's all he does is lie. And as a born-again child of God, when you participate in lying, you're participating in the bullet of the devil. And it kills people. Harms them. He tells us here in the text, he, he says, these things, these, these things, we got to let go of. And then here's the last one. I'm done very quickly, and we'll, we'll be done. There are some things we've got to hold on to, our foundation, our focus. There are some things we've got to let go of. And then number three, here's the third one. There are some things that we have got to be settled on. I mean, it just there's no question about it. These truths, we are settled on them. And that's found, verse 3 and 4. He says this, for because, because, he says, set your affections on things above, that's the context, not on the things of the earth, for because you are dead. See, he goes back to what he mentioned at the beginning. Don't forget this, this is an important foundation. You were dead and your life is hid in Christ, in God. And then, and then he says this, when Christ, who is our life, when he shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Here's some things we, we've just got to be settled on. 
just like when I cleaned out that closet, I'm settled that I'm not, I'm not going to get rid of that little ball, that little ornament. we got to be settled on a couple of things. And what, what are they? There are three. There are three things in verses 3, 4, 3 and 4 that we've got to be settled on. Let, let me show them to you and let me try to bring them out of the text. Number one, we've got to be settled that a death occurred. Did you see it there? Because, verse 3, you are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. So you've got to be sure of that. So let me ask you this question. Are you dead in Christ? Have you, been, have you died when you got saved? Did you die? Here would be a more appropriate question. When you got saved, did you change? Did it change you? March 22nd, 1988. I got changed. January 1988, or when it was, when you got, you got changed. And that change that happened inside of you, Eric, affected you your whole life. I mean, even up till today. But you think about that first year, Eric was giving the testimony. He said, man, he says, I was at a party. And he says, there were people doing things that are just ungodly at this party. And I'm sitting here, and, 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 and I'm just newly saved, he says. And here I am at this, at this worldly party. And he says, I can't get over the thought in my heart and in my mind, this ain't right. When just a week before he was at a party going, yay, this is great. What happened? How can a person change their mind just like that? Christ, Christ changed him. And when Christ comes in, he changes you. You see, Eric, old Eric died. And new Eric in Jesus was risen up. There, a death has occurred. Number two, here's the second thing you've got to be confident of. You've got to be sure of it, hold on to it, and be settled on You've got to be settled on the fact that a deposit has been made. A deposit has been made. Look at what the Bible says in verse 3 again. He says, for your life is hid with Christ in God. There's only one way that happens. And the way that happens is that you are given the divine nature. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4. How do you receive the divine nature? When you exercise Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thy heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, you will, according to the scriptures, be saved. So it's a matter of faith. It's not a matter of prayer. It's a matter of faith. So when by faith you call out to the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, and say, I believe that you are the Messiah, you confess him as Lord, then the Holy Spirit is deposited inside of you, and that deposit is in the heart. It is in the innermost being. And so it affects everything inside of you, your conscience, your thought process, Everything is affected. And I, I'm you, it'll mess you up. It'll mess you up. The things that you thought were okay are no longer okay anymore. And, and you may let them out. And you may let them slip. But bless God, it is not. It's not important to you anymore. And it, and it affects you. Uh, I'm tempted to give you this illustration. But I'm going to change. I'm going to give you another illustration. Many, many years ago, when I was, I'd just gotten saved. I played football. Loved football. My dad was a football coach. Loved it. Love, 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 love. Thank God Georgia won. I'm so thankful they pulled it off. Thank God for that. The bottom line is, is, is I was out there playing football. Some redneck hillbilly out there in Alabama somewhere 
had done, he had done, done something to me in a pile, pulled the hair on my leg, I don't know, pinched me. It made me mad. So mad, coach called a timeout, brought everybody to the sideline to try to calm everybody down. And man, I was just a ranting and a raving. I was, boy, I, t I was letting them fly. I was telling my teammates what I wanted to do to that dude, and I couldn't wait till the game's over. I'm going to find him before he gets on that bus. Oh, oh it's just, it, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. And I let some words slide. They come out of my mouth, and I couldn't get them back. And it, she was like a sister to me was there. And the water girl, the water girl's like a sister to me. I mean, her brother and me were really, really good friends. And she had that water bottle, and I didn't see her. She was down. I didn't, and I'm just, rah, 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 rah. And, and I see that water bottle come up in front of me, and I look down, and there she is. Well, she, know I just, she knows I just got saved. And the look on her face, this is in the middle of a football game. Bless God, I'm supposed to be, rah! And my heart was gripped, Barry. And I fell under conviction. I'm sorry. You see, whether you realize it or not, Christian friend, you are influencing people. Influencing people. And you're either influencing people to God or away from God. How can the Holy Spirit, how, how, can, a, how can a man, a young boy at that time, newly saved, new Christian, be under conviction at a football game that he's playing. Only the Holy Spirit. It, look, Holy Spirit don't care where you're at. It ain't just on Sunday morning he speaks. Here's the third and I'm done. I'm, I'm at, I'm, I had to finish up. He says, not only do you, do you need to settle on the fact that a death occurred, a deposit has been made. Here's the last one, verse number four. A directive has been given. A, a directive, a, a directive. Here are the facts. Verse number four. He says, "When Christ, not if, when Christ, who is our life." It's in italics because it's implied in the text, but the implication is proper in its context. It, it's saying it's true. You, you are in Christ, in God. You're in Jesus Christ. When Christ shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. You ain't getting out of this, brothers and sisters. You're going to appear with him. You are going to appear with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So you want to have a, a good year, 2021, you better make some room for Jesus. And in making room for Jesus, we've got to come to the conclusion that there are some things that we've got to hold on to. Can I just say this within us? And you online too, look, listen to me. We're not going to stop our online, sir. We're going to continue our own, always. I, I mean, we've been doing it, whether you realize this or not, we've been doing online services when I first got here. I mean, we've been doing it for over six years now. Not, not planning on any of it anytime soon, okay? Not planning on that. In fact, we want to broaden the gospel presentation. want more people to watch. want more people to get involved. But in 2021 and in years to come, we can't stop the gathering right here. Scripture says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some do. We cannot let this stop, regardless of what happens in years to come. Can't do it. We've got to let it continue. Why? Because he's coming. And I want him to find us here at Maysville Baptist Church faithful. May he find us faithful. So let me just ask you this question in closing. 
What are some things that you need to let go of? Maybe you look at the text and say, man, you know what? Pastor is right. I, I have taken my focus off of God. And I've put them on my problems. And one of two things here. Number one, you're saved and you're backslidden. We don't hear that a lot today. We don't hear the word backslidden. That is, you're away from God. You need to come back to God. First John 1, I made reference to it several times. You need to come back to God. Number two, you're lost. You're lost. And you need to get saved. Because here are the facts. You never truly change when you got saved. You look at, you, you, and I'm using Eric as an illustration, and I asked him if I could. He said, he said yes. You, you look at, at Eric's life and do his testimony. He could not, he could not stay the same man he was after he got saved. He may have wrestled with it, wrestled with alcohol for a year, but he came to the conclusion that this is true. And, and what does this say about alcohol, by the way? Because this is one of, probably one of the hottest debates in, in, in Christendom, it is the hottest debate. Can a Christian drink? Okay? The answer to that question is, sure, a Christian can drink. But the Bible talks about this. It ain't wise. Hey. Look, I know it's not good English, but I'm telling you it's the truth. It's not wise. Hey. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. You can do it. It's just not wise. Why? Because it leads to the things of this world where you fall for the philosophies and the false doctrines and the anger and the malice and all of these things. You fall for all of it. And just in the life of my illustration here today, in Eric's life, he got to the end of it and he got to Proverbs chapter 20 verse 1 and said, I got to give this up. It affects my testimony. Because I don't want to be controlled by the alcohol. I want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, you can take the alcohol and you remove the alcohol and you put anything in its place. Anything. Anything in there. Anything that's in this passage of Scripture, you put it in there. And maybe the reason why you haven't come to that conclusion is because you're lost and you don't know Christ as Savior. So today I want to challenge you in this respect. Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You listening to me today? Listen, you're on, those that are listening by way of radio... You need to start pulling off right now. You need to start pulling over and get on the side of the road, stop at the quick trip. You need to stop somewhere. And you need to get serious with God. And you need to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. Those of you that are watching by way of podcast, video, you need to stop right now. You need to receive Christ as Savior. You say, how would I do that? From your heart to God's, knowing it's not the prayer, you're saved by faith. But you say something like this to God by faith. I know I'm a sinner. Today I repent of my sins. I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. Thank you for saving me. I receive Jesus by faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now if you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all your heart by faith, welcome to the family of God. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in our service today, room 129, the last room on the left, we'd love for you to stop in there. I wrote a little book. I want you to grow in your faith. I'd love to give that to you. If you're watching online, would you please send me an email. Write me an email. Let me know. I'll send it to you free of charge. It won't cost you a dime. If you need prayer, just look, I'd love to pray for you. Just let me know. Whatever your need, 
You let me know and I'll be praying for you, dear brother and sister. Welcome to the family of God. Thanks for listening. As a pastor, my primary concern is your eternity. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, that you can know where you will spend eternity. I would love to connect with you and talk more about your walk of faith. You can email and find more information about the ministry of Maysville Baptist Church on our website. Just type maysvillebaptist.net in your search engine. Also, you can support this ministry through our website or by mailing your gift to 8875 Highway 82 Spur Road, Maysville, Georgia, 30558. God bless you, and I hope you tune in next week where once again we turn our hearts towards the Word of God.